Let me ask you a question as we start. Where do you get your identity from? Is it from the flag that's up there that we just sang about, or is our first identity that we're Canadians? Is it from the family that you were born in? I think for many of us that are working full-time right now, our identity can often come from our vocation. What do I do? That's my identity. Or maybe it's from your marriage or from your kids. How your kids do, that's how you do. If they're doing well, you feel like you're, you're proud, but if they're not doing well, then you're feeling bad about yourself. Where do you get your identity from? Identity is a hot topic these days. We're all talking about identity. This morning, as we look at this passage that, was read, or that we read together, we're gonna to be seeing that our, our identity actually comes from Christ and from what he says about us. And the, what we really believe about our identity actually changes how we live our lives. And we're gonna see that again from this passage this morning. If, so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter nine. We're gonna look at verses 23 to 25. If you don't have your Bible with you here this morning in the chair rack in front of you, you can grab one of those. It's uh, on page 733. And since we're just hopping into Luke 9 this morning, this isn't part of one of our, our sermon series, let me give a bit of context about what's going on here. Luke 9 begins with at least three things that are happening that are making the disciples pretty happy about themselves and about where they find themselves. You know, in the first few verses, in verses 1 and 2, they're sent out on this mission trip and they're given authority to heal. They have power over demons. They're seeing people come to faith in Christ. God is at work amongst them. Following this mission trip, we see in verses 10 to 17, there's the feeding of the 5,000. So they're seeing Jesus perform miracles right before their eyes. 5,000 people, that was just men recording that day, so it's probably more like 10,000 or 12,000 people that were fed on that occasion. And they got to witness it with their own eyes. And then following that in verses 18 to 20, Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter, at this point, confesses that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah. And so now the, now the disciples are realizing they're following the Messiah, the one sent from God. And so they're probably feeling pretty happy about themselves and pretty good about where they stand right now. They're probably riding pretty high. And it's at this point that Jesus hits them right between the eyes with one of the most difficult teachings about what it really means to follow Jesus. Look what it says in verses 23 to 25. He says this to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever who loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? Following Jesus isn't just about healing the sick, having power over demons, and enjoying miraculous lunches. It's going to be more challenging like that. Jesus isn't starting a country club with a list of benefits and privileges that come along with your free membership. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to be willing to count the cost. Look what it says. The first thing he says here is to deny yourself as the follower of Jesus, must deny themselves. 
we would all agree as Christians that we're supposed to deny sin, but to deny our own selves? Is that right? Is that what it says? If anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself. Self-denial means that we're committed to surrendering our own desires, our own ambitions, our own comforts for the sake of following Christ. Again, we contrast this with our self-centered culture that we find ourselves living in. Never has there been a day and age where it's been totally about the self. You know, again, even singing O Canada this morning reminds us that we're part of a, of a nation. But today, people are more, imp- more engaged with the idea of, well, what does it mean to me? What is that for me? What do I think about that? Everything in secular culture today is about the self. It's not about what's, what you can sacrifice for your country, what you could sacrifice even for your family or your loved ones. It's about what can they sacrifice for me? What could Canada do for me? What can my family do for me? What can my friends do for me? What can my job provide for me? The commercials on TV are about what you can do or what you can get for yourself. Our social media profiles are all about presenting a good image of ourselves. We are so self-centered. And then Jesus comes up to us and says, you must deny yourself if you're gonna follow me. But when we deny ourselves, we are also gaining something. The Christian life isn't about what doing, or what, about, about what doing what seems right to you. It's about what doing what Christ has called you to do. We're supposed to deny ourselves. Then Jesus goes on and explains what that might mean. It says to take up your cross daily and follow me. What does this phrase, take up your cross, mean? Well, again, this wasn't initially spoken by Jesus to us. This was originally spoken by Jesus to his disciples. And they for sure, living in the Roman culture, would have known what it means to take up your cross. They would have seen many men carrying their crosses. When they saw someone walking from their village carrying a cross beam over their shoulders, they knew that that man was on a one-way journey to his own death. He would not be coming back. Taking up the cross in the Roman context would have referred literally, again, to someone carrying a cross beam from the site of their sentencing to the site of their crucifixion. There were no known survivors of Roman crucifixion. It was a one-way trip. The cross is a symbol of absoluteness and totality. There were no nominal cross carriers Somehow we've come up with being a nominal Christian. I kind of, you know, believe a few things about Jesus and I'm a, they're a nominal Christian. There were no nominal cross carriers. If you were carrying a cross, all of your identity was now wrapped up in the cross and what that meant. When Jesus called his disciples to take up their cross, he was saying, if you're gonna follow me, it's going to be with your whole life. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament as we know, he knew what it meant to follow Jesus. And he wrote this, and it was actually already referenced this morning. Romans 12, verse 1. 
Paul writes, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This passage tells us that if we're gonna be following Jesus, we need to be living sacrifices. It's a contradiction of terms, isn't it? When you think about it, living sacrifice. As Christians, we are living, yet we're also dead. We're dead to ourselves. We have died to ourselves. A sacrifice is dead when it's placed on the altar. You know, the problem with us as living sacrifices is that we constantly scurry off the altar and do our own thing. But we have to be a living sacrifice, following Christ and what he's called us to do. And Jesus even says daily. We're supposed to take up our cross daily. You know, choosing to follow Jesus is a one-time decision, following him. We know about when we, come, when we place our faith in Christ, immediately we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We experience conversion. We are brought new life. We think about that in baptism, when we're baptized, when we're united to Christ in his death as we go down into the water and in his resurrection as we come up. That's a one-time thing that happens when we place our faith in Christ. But there's also this ongoing journey that Jesus calls us to, to daily give ourselves over to him. That this is something we have to do daily. Many of us gave our lives to Christ maybe many years ago. But it's been a while since we've actually recommitted ourselves to following him daily and taking up our cross daily. This means we're gonna have to make tough decisions every day if we're gonna choose to follow Christ. For those in junior high or in high school, following Jesus might mean you're not gonna be the most popular person at your school, perhaps. Even if you're going to a Christian school. Because choosing to follow Jesus means you're gonna have to make decisions that go against what a lot of the students at your school will do. Are you willing to be made fun of because you follow Jesus? What about for those of us who are pursuing a career, either just getting started, we're young adults, or we've been in a career for a long time? Following Jesus means we have to take up our cross daily and make decisions that might hinder us from progressing as far as others who are willing to cut corners or who are willing to lie or who are willing to go along with whatever the culture says we're supposed to be going along with in order to advance in our career. Taking up your cross means you might not progress as far in your career as you maybe had hoped to because other people are willing to do things that you aren't willing to do, but you're willing to stand with Christ. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to make those tough decisions to follow Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we are called to a higher standard. Each of us, no matter what stage in life we find ourselves in, will have to do things that make us look different from those at a similar life stage to us who aren't following Christ. Are you willing to follow Jesus and take up your cross in 2023 in the culture we find ourselves in? Are you willing to do that? 
Jesus goes on and says in verses 24 and 25, Forever who, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So there's something we have to give. It's our own lives. But I think Jesus is saying there's also something you get, which is far greater. In verse 24, when Jesus says life, he's not talking about our physical life. We know this because the Greek word that's used there is the word psyche. If Jesus wanted to use a word for our physical bodies, we would have had something in the Gospel of Luke like bios, like where we get the word biology. So he's not talking about the, the biology of us, he's, calling, he's talking about the psychology of us. It's our inner self. It's who we truly are. It's our identity. What Jesus is saying here is that you can't save yourself by trying to live out your old identity. Your old sense of identity has to die. But Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you a new identity, a better identity. I'll make you what you were made to be. I'll renew you from within. To every person here this morning, Jesus is saying, stop trying to gain your sense of self the way the world does. Stop pursuing the things that the world's pursuing, because we know where that leads. We can see it in our culture around us. Are we getting any better as a society as we pursue our own sense of self from within? Is our world becoming a better and better place as we look further and further within ourselves? The ordinary way to gain a sense of self is by trying to gain what the world has to offer. And we see that from what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? If we're building our identity on what the world prioritizes, we might do well, actually, in the, from a worldly standard. You might become the most famous business person, or you might have a great family, or you might be the most popular person at your school. So if you're putting all of your eggs in that basket of the world's image of what our identity is supposed to be, you might succeed from a worldly standard. But what benefit is it to you if you gain the whole world and let you lose yourself? Have you really gained anything? You could be successful at these things. You could, be, you could be getting the best grades. You could be the most popular person. And again, in this way, you have gained the whole world, but you've lost the purpose for which God has made you. Jesus is saying you can gain the whole world, but whatever you're putting your hope in, apart from him, it is unstable, and ultimately, you will lose it. But if you lose yourself for Jesus, you will have an identity that you cannot lose. You will have your true self because you were made to know God and to be known by him. And so how do we get this identity? How is it that we get this identity that Jesus is offering us? It's by uniting ourselves to Jesus by faith. Christianity isn't about becoming a better person or a better parent or a 
better person in your office, a more likable person. Christianity is about uniting yourself by faith to Jesus in his life and in his death and in his resurrection so that we will die to ourselves and receive new life in him. You see, Jesus doesn't just call us to take up our crosses and follow him for the sake of it. We do it because that's what Jesus himself did. Look at verse 22. Right before he calls the disciples to take up their cross, look at what Jesus says himself. The Son of Man, this is Jesus' name for himself. Jesus is saying, I must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. In obedience to God the Father, Jesus freely gave of himself. He took up his cross and followed God the Father. And he died on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus gave his life in place for ours. And we are saved and we are given a new identity and we are given a new purpose if we believe in him and if we trust in him to forgive us of our sins. And this is exactly what we'll be reminding ourselves as we come to the Lord's table this morning. In a few moments when we receive the bread and we take from the cup, we're saying my life and my identity are now tied together with Christ. What happens to him happens to me. When Jesus, if Jesus takes up his cross, I take up my cross. But then the good news is that if Jesus, and when Jesus rises from the dead, and he did, that one day we will also rise. And that we will also be with him, which could never be snatched away from us. That's why Jesus could say, you might lose the thing, you might gain the world, if you, but you'll forfeit yourself. Gain something even better. Don't gain the world. Gain what I have to offer. Union with God and eternal life with him. When you take the bread and the cup, you're saying, my life and my identity is now tied to Jesus Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. My identity is now who Christ says I am. And if you've never trusted Christ before, my encouragement would be for you today to place your faith in him. To say, God, I can't do it on my own. I've tried, I've tried to live out this identity. I can't do it. Jesus, can I ask you to come into my life and to be my righteousness for me? So that when God the Father looks at me, he doesn't look at the things that I've done. He sees the things that you did on my behalf. And so that God will welcome you into his family. And for those that have already chosen to follow Christ, when you receive from the Lord's table this morning, you're reaffirming your commitment today to say, I'm going to take up my cross and follow Jesus, whatever it looks like this week. See, it's one thing to do it on Sunday morning amongst people who believe the same things you do, but you're saying Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, this week, when I'm amongst non-believers, I'm still going to take up my cross and follow you. 
And so we're gonna go and receive from the table now. And again, at the table, we're reminded that the body of Jesus was broken on our behalf and his blood was shed for us. And so let me just give the benediction. Now this is from Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the, lo- the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I just pray for you guys that this week you'd be able to live by the power of the Spirit working in your life, in your identity in Christ, wherever God has you this week to love and to serve. Amen.